Greetings, greetings. Welcome to another episode of Truth to Power. I am your host, Tyrus McKnight. And tonight, I want to talk about ignoring the black vote. I was recently at another political luncheon, and a white poster said something very interesting. He said that black, well, he didn't really say black. He said people, millennials in urban areas, urban urban means black, don't really vote. So we should just ignore them altogether. And a New Orleans political candidate, a former candidate, co-signed this. And I'm going to tell you guys what I said and what was said by somebody else that's in politics. And we're going to get into it. Hello, you guys. I hope you all are doing well. Um, so as I mentioned, I was at this political luncheon, and we were doing this. Um, we were discussing John Bell Edwards' victory in Louisiana over um, Eddie Responi in Louisiana, and a lot of things were being discussed in the political realm. And a few things caught my attention, and I want to discuss those things tonight. Now, one of which was the fact that John Bell Edwards is basically a conservative Democrat when you look at his policies. However, New Orleans, the reason why he won was because of the black vote in New Orleans. New Orleans pretty much carried John Bell Edwards to the governor's house, right? But black people aren't getting credit for that as far as posters are concerned. Now, for those who don't know what a poster is, a poster is somebody who takes all the statistics of the people that vote, and they, not just the people that vote, how they vote, um, what areas they're gonna vote in, and things of that nature, and they predict the outcome of elections, right? So, one particular poster, this guy, I, I don't I don't remember his name, but this guy, he was a white male, and he said, um, you know, the thing to realize is that people in urban areas, millennials in urban areas, don't really vote. And that means young black people. Okay? He said they don't really vote, so we should ignore them completely. Now, I had to interject, and I said that's a complete lie. Not only is that a complete lie, um, that's going to cost you, as well as other people who listen and think like you, a lot of elections. You know why? Because not only did New Orleans show up and get John Bell Edwards the victory, over a uh, suspected white supremacist. And let me tell y'all something else. John Bell Edwards, he is a, um, he's a suspected white supremacist as well. Because if you look at his policies, he and Responi don't really differ as far as policies go. They only differ in personalities. And that's what black people are left to vote for, personalities instead of actual, actual policies that's going to do something for them. We're so concerned about being liked or somebody um, smiling in our face, but we're not concerned about their racist policies that they have, i.e. the Blue Lives Matter laws that John Bell Edwards um, implemented. Now, 
But back to what I was saying. Now, when he said that, I said, not only is that a complete lie, that's going to cost you and everybody listening to you a lot of elections. Because not only do young black people vote, we're voting with intentions now. We're not just voting just to be voting. We're not just going to vote Democrat just because it's a tradition. And that's what they expect out of young black people. They expect out of young black people to vote out of tradition. Oh, my parents did this when they expect for us to be loyal to one party. And that's not the case nowadays. And if you really look at the landscape of things, recently, I find that young black people are becoming more independent. They're not going for a particular party. And I said that when we talk about black people in these urban areas, all these millennials, these young black people in these urban areas, you guys aren't giving us anything to vote for. That's why nobody's coming out to support your candidates because they're just telling us to vote for their personality and they're not willing to serve our interests. They're serving their own interests or they're serving the interests of other people who had who had no they had nothing to do with them getting into office. Right? But one particular New Orleans candidate, Desiree Charbonnet, you guys may remember her because she ran for mayor. She said, I totally agree with you. And I said, Well, that's why you lost. Because I had the privilege of speaking with Desiree Charbonnet. I don't know if she remembers this at a Whole Foods in New Orleans. And she asked me for her vote. And I asked her, I said, okay, you can have my vote if you tell me what are your policies going to be for black people. What are your policies for black people? Now, in a majority black city, you would think that a black candidate would know how to talk to a base or to speak to her base. But they don't. And that's why she lost. She said, well, I have a plan for minorities. And I said, well, have a good day, ma'am. Because I'm not a minority. I'm a black American. Not only am I a black American, I'm a black American living in New Orleans. And I predicted that she would lose that election, which she did. She ended up losing that election because she didn't have black policies. She didn't have a black agenda in a majority black city. And that's what's missing in New Orleans in particular. They want you to vote for personalities, but they don't want you to vote for a black agenda. Or they don't want to um, present a black agenda to you. And this, not only when, like I want, I'm looking for my documentary to make an impact, but I'm looking for us to pool our resources together as black people to make an impact. The only problem with that is, is that when we talk about making an impact and we're talking about black people coming together, the only problem with that is we always have some naysayers. We always have some people that's willing to push back and kind of like sabotage the whole thing. But like I told people before, we don't need all black people on board in New Orleans. We just need enough of them. And with enough of us, we can make a significant difference. difference. Now think about this. Think about the economics in New Orleans. We're 60% of the population. 
And the culture is all of us, all of us. Like the culture is 100% black in New Orleans, but we benefit from none of the culture. But other people do. Like I told people, like I ask people all the time, who is the only billionaire in New Orleans? And nobody could tell me. It's Gail Benson. Gail Benson benefits from black people's culture. Tyrus, what do you mean by that? Well, how did she get her money or how did Tom Benson get his own fortune from the New Orleans Saints? New Orleans Saints, heavily black players, majority black players. New Orleans Pelicans, majority black players, majority black league. Who's going to these games? Black people. Black people are feeling these things. We're supporting this team. We're supporting the city. We're buying the jerseys. Okay? They benefit from black bodies. But nobody's putting anything into black communities. And when I say putting anything in the black communities, I'm not talking about a turkey giveaway or something like that. What I'm talking about is something that's sufficient, that's going to be economically progressive in these black communities, particularly just New Orleans, period, because New Orleans is a black city. But if you've been paying attention to what's been going on for the last few years, this plan of gentrification and displacement is becoming even more detrimental to black people. Now, we have our share of crime, which I will rarely admit, but all crime is based on economics. All crime is based on economics and proximity. So we could improve the economic landscape of New Orleans, then we could also reduce crime. And when I say reduce crime, I don't mean make more arrests. Because then we'll be making more arrests towards people that look like us. Which has to stop. Which just has to stop. But another um, guy in the political realm out of a time, he was there and he he readily agreed with me. He said, no, I, I, agree, with the, I agree with this young man that not only do black people vote, black people are the reason why John Bell Edwards is in the White House. And he reigned another sentiment, or he agreed with another sentiment that I made, which was that John Bell Edwards is the most conservative Democrat that you could possibly have in the White House. That you, not in the White House, but in the governor's house, in the governor's mansion. He's the most conservative Democrat that you could possibly have in there, which is true. He's very conservative as far as his policies go. He's pro-life, he's pro-guns. Right? Blue and he's pro cop. And people just don't understand. They feel like, okay, responding. Let me tell you how uh, people vote, black people. And we need to stop voting like this, especially like with so much emotion. But our people vote like this. He's connected to Trump. He's a Republican. I'm voting for the Democrat that has a smile on his face. But the Democrat is just as racist, if not more racist, than a Republican. 
And I'm not trying to steer people to go Democrat because I'm not with that neither. I am independent myself. I think we as black people need to start voting independent and becoming independent until we can establish our own party. Once we establish our own party, then we don't have to settle for these candidates that are given to us. We could pull one from the ground up and build our own candidate to work into our interests. Now, that's power that I'm talking about. But so many of us are afraid of it. So many of us are afraid of it. That's power that I'm talking about. And a lot of people probably don't like what I'm saying right now because that's that's changing the game right there. But if you're not willing to change the game, then you're part of the problem. You got to be a part of the solution. Ain't nobody offering you solutions. I'm offering you solutions right here in New Orleans. We don't have to settle for these rinky-dink politicians. We could pull one up from my own resources and vote them in. For example, Ray Nagin, his first term, he got in there with white people money. It's not a secret. It's not a secret at all. But on his second term, when he made that Chocolate City reference, which is going to be in my movie, by the way, when he made that Chocolate City reference, he ended up winning. Why? Not only did black people come back, but they felt like he had a black agenda. He ended up winning without with less resources than he did the first time. But you need a black agenda in a majority black city. But these black politicians are so afraid and so timid. But ignoring the black vote will get them what they what they what it's always got them nothing. Because in the words of Malcolm X, the black vote will will determine who's in the White House and who's in the outhouse. We determine that, and we gotta stop acting like our voting power doesn't matter. But we gotta put it in the right place, and we gotta make a surge in the right place with a candidate that has a black agenda in a majority black city. If they say anything about minority or that minority crap, cut them off right there. No, I'm talking about black people in a majority black city. What's your agenda? What's your agenda for us? What you got for us? If it's not anything that's economically progressive, then don't vote for them. But it's up to us in a majority black city with majority black legislatures we got to put that policy in play. But too many of us are afraid. Too many of the cowards. Which is interesting to me because the murder rate being so high and crime rate being so high, you wouldn't think we had so many cowards in New Orleans, right? But we do. We got a lot of cowards. It's about time that we change that. It's about time that we change that. Yes, yes, we have to stop it. We have to stop that. And you know what? We got to become more politically savvy, too. Um, and not just um, political, politically savvy, but economically savvy. We got to um, start studying things and becoming students of politics, students of money. We got to become more students of just, um, <clears throat> excuse me, real estate 
and a lot of other things because when it really comes down to it and we're seeking when we start seeking help from those who are not intending to help us or who have no intentions on helping us, then we're going to lose every time. And I'm just tired of it. You know, just being at the political luncheon, it just showed a lot of, it just, just showed a lot of things. Like the last one I went to, went to, it revealed a lot of things to me as well. Um, when we were in the political season, like in the beginning of it, you know, just raising money for the politicians. Like they were out there getting people, trying to get people to um, raise money for them and everything like that. And even a couple of politicians that ended up um, losing, I met them. And all these people, one thing that they had in common was they knew how to talk to their base. And I think as um, when we got black politicians, black politicians don't really know how to talk to their base. They use the same language that white politicians use with us. And that's why they end up losing. Because they end up losing because they don't have a plan for black people. They don't promise us anything. And when that happens, that's going to bring your numbers down. You don't know how to talk to your base. People that's going to support you. You know? And that's ridiculous. Especially in this juncture in America where we're moving towards. And I even said this at the political luncheon. They were naming out the candidates, the Democratic candidates that everybody liked. I said, listen, listen to me right now. I said, who, I said, whoever runs against Donald Trump is going to lose in the Democratic Party because they're not giving their base anything. They want to be able to say, talk around a black agenda. They don't want to actually commit to a black agenda. You know, they want to talk about reparations, but nobody wants to say, yeah, they want to say, yeah, black people deserve reparations. Yeah, we know that, but they don't want to say when and where. They don't want to give us a date and time. They really don't want to commit to that. Or even just anything that's going to be economically progressive for black people, they don't want to commit to that. John Bell Elvis, he's the, he's the same way. He promised New Orleans five more years of essence. And I saw the play because he knew he needed New Orleans to win. And for that poster to say that young black millennials or young urban millennials don't vote, John Bell Elvis went to barbershops, right? He went to church with y'all preachers. Y'all know how I feel about that. With the church, with y'all preachers, and started campaigning. But he didn't promise them, promise them anything. Even our mayor of New Orleans, he didn't promise her anything but five more years of essence. Please tell me what's they're going to, what's they're going to do for the people of New Orleans. Five more years of partying and drinking. And they was going give, to give us essence anyway. Because they tried to move it to, I think, um, Houston or San Antonio or something, some part of Texas one time, and it didn't go well economically for them. So they were going to do that anyway. And the politicians, politicians promises us nothing, but we still accept, accept them. Or we still vote for them and support them. That has to stop.
we have to start becoming more politically savvy. And a lot of people don't want to hear that because, to be quite honest, and this is me talking to my base right now, to be quite honest, and I'm talking to y'all like this, a lot of black people are cowards, and I can't stress that enough. A lot of people are cowards. A lot of people don't want to stand for anything. They don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to make changes. And that's a problem. That's a big problem. Especially when we're talking about our political future or just our future in general. Because if we're not careful, what we're going to do is we're going to vote ourselves right out of New Orleans. Right out of a 60% majority. That's exactly what we're going to do. It is not up to us to care about any other race of people. It is not up to us to care about their political aspirations. It is not up to us to give a damn about other people other than ourselves. We have to become more self-preserving as black people. And when I say self-preserving, I'm talking about as a whole, not as individuals. Think about it. Asian people are in office, they do things for Asian people. Latinos are in office, they do things for Latino people. Black people, when they're in office, or where we already know, when white person is in office, they're doing stuff for white people regardless. But when black people are in office, they champion every agenda except for a black one. And I cannot stress that enough. But we got to start putting pressure on these politicians. It's up to us to put pressure on these politicians. And it's also up to us to put pressure on ourselves. Because we can't attend every second line, right? We can't attend every party or every club function. And not be able to take care of ourselves financially. But once we start putting policies in place ourselves, start talking to our legislatures, then we'll be able to make change. You know, something very something else is very interesting that um happened at this uh, political party that I want to bring up. Wesley Bishop, he's under investigation for the FBI. He used to work at Sun. I remember him. Um, and he's a senator in New Orleans, but he's been under investigation for a while for doing some um illegal things with um he's on a Lee Zurich investigation uh for doing some illegal things with real estate and I tried to get get out in front of this beforehand because I saw this coming coming I wasn't really gonna bring this up, but that's but that political luncheon um kind of kind of triggered me to bring this up, but I try to get out in front of this because I saw this coming before the investigation happened, and I try to get out and get talk to him and get his side of the story from my documentary before they started investigating him because I kind of saw this coming. 
Now, if, for the fans that's listening, I ain't got no affiliation with Wesley Bishop. I ain't got nothing to do with that. But I kind of saw this stuff coming, and I tried to, and I tried to contact them, and I and it I'm like I could show y'all my emails. Like I tried to contact them, and he didn't respond. <clears throat> but they brought up his um, pending indictments with the um, feds. And I found that to be very interesting. And then they even um, brought up the fact that he worked at Suno. And I, and I really found that interesting, that, that they um, brought up the fact that he worked at Suno, that he was like, um, I think he was um, assistant dean or something, or assistant, um, assistant, assistant chancellor or something like that, like one level beyond uh, under the chancellor or something like that. It was a major position he had at Suno. But I found it very interesting because, as you guys know, for the longest, they've been trying to merge Suno and UNO together because UNO doesn't have sufficient enough numbers to really um, be a university, right? And as far as Suno goes, Suno, they have enough numbers as far as professors and students. No, they have enough numbers as far as students, but the professors, they don't have enough money to um, basically pay their salary, like $50,000 a year or something like that. So it's been very hard to um, really balance everything as soon though. But I think as far as UNO goes, UNO just doesn't have the number of students to really um, function as a university sufficiently. Like the cost of like dorms and Forgive me. Their, their basketball games and things like that don't add up with the amount of students that they got or something like that. So they've been trying to merge Suno and UNO together to kind of um, calm their problem. But I found it very interesting that they brought a Wesley Bishop, especially um, since, um, you know, they had some... The, it was white people that were bringing it up, so I found it very interesting. I found it very interesting. But I tried to get out, but to uh, like I like I like I said, I tried to get on uh, front of this so he could tell his side of the story from my documentary, so it wouldn't seem that bad, or you know, just to even tell his story in general on camera. But he didn't want to do that, so now he's been investigated, and uh, that's just what it is, man. That's just what it is. But. I want to, um, I'm about to get out of here, but I wanted to say that before I leave, I want to say that black people, we have to become more politically savvy. We may, we must stop voting off of emotions and who likes us and who doesn't like us because to be honest, none of them like us. We got to start, stop being so lazy and start um, demanding things, not just demanding things, but also working towards things. And Looking up policies. A lot of people don't even know what are John Bell Edwards policies. They're so similar to Responi, it's ridiculous. Both of them are conservative. Only thing is, one says he's a Democrat, another says he's a Republican. And I um, posed this question to one person at the um, luncheon because she asked me about Responi and Bell Edwards. And I said, uh, what's the difference between Lucifer and Satan? She thought about it. She said, there is no difference. Same devil. I said, exactly. Same devil, different name. And that's what responding that was basically was. And we got to start thinking in those terms. We got to come to grips with those terms. 
this whole voting for the lesser of two evils shit, that's immature and it's played. Our parents taught us that and a lot of shit that our parents taught us needs to go to the wayside, to be honest with you. We need to get rid of a lot of shit that they taught us because, to be honest with you, most of them were cowards as well. That's why they raised cowards. Now, we got to come together and we got an uphill battle to fight still in New Orleans, but I'm confident that we're going to make it and that's why I'm shooting this film. But, you know, I just spoke truth to power. I want you guys to have a good night.